That was the Munster final of 1944. I wasn't at a rat <laughs> Most people that went to that game had to cycle to the final. Imagine if you asked people to cycle to it now. OTB AM. Live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. All right, it's eight minutes past eight. You're welcome back to OTBAM. Uh, it's time for us to turn our attention to ten- tennis. And I'm delighted to say Jenny Claffey is with us in studio. Welcome. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me here today, guys. You were sitting outside. I was like, I didn't recognise you because you're like not behind a Zoom screen. So, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, The French Open so far has been pretty good. It's been dramatic. There's been good storylines. And yet we seem to have arrived almost imperceptibly at the women's semi-final day today. It feels like there hasn't been enough made of the women's side of the draw and that's been a kind of a narrative running this week. Yeah, there's been a bit of controversy this week surrounding the the timings and scheduling of the women's game. Um, the tournament director, Amy Mresno, has come out yesterday to say that um, the reason for this uh, is basically that uh, the men's game is more appealing to viewers and must be where the money is at. So um, a lot of the players are beginning to speak up now at the, this, their distaste for this issue. Um, you see, look at some of, some of the scheduling this week. Uh, the they call it the graveyard slot, the first matches of the day, and nearly all but one match has been a woman's game. Um, and then also they've introduced the night matches, and only one of the 11 nights of those have been women's matches. So there's not enough being done there for women. Um. Is the is the because there was a bit of controversy, a tiny bit of needle between Nadal and Djokovic about the the time that that was on. Uh, Nadal felt like he could pick because he's the king of Paris, mm-hmm. and he wanted uh, the middle of the afternoon. Uh, Djokovic wanted the night time because apparently that has a significant impact on clay I don't know enough about this but it was enough for them to have a little bit of a beef about it and that beef seemed to carry on to the post-match where um, whatever frostiness exists between them it, it, so it's obviously a big deal and it's been talked about this week Yeah well I think the schedule, that, that match particularly the scheduling of that was maybe more for TV and viewers um, The Nadal wanted to play that match during the day because the surface as you mentioned there is a little bit more favourable to him the clay is faster during the day when it's warmer like uh, much faster to the point where they can notice not I wouldn't say enough that it would win or lose a match but I'd say it's enough to, to, to put pr- a little bit more pressure on Djokovic maybe when Nadal's playing against him because Nadal plays with so much spin the ball will kick up off the clay and that will be able to keep Djokovic back a bit further whereas in the evening time the clay is a little bit heavier so it's a little bit slower so that would be more favourable to Djokovic and this is because of the weather this is literally because it, it's hotter and the 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 tiny few degrees is going to have an impact. I guess if you're at the level where they're at, where they've played each other a gazillion times and they know each other's game so well, any tiny little bit of something that you feel like you're getting is going to help. Yeah, definitely. I think that that was kind of what Djokovic was looking for that evening match because he thought that might be more favourable for him. And then he got it. Yeah. But it didn't work. No, it didn't, yeah. Nadal, though, is just so dominant at the moment and especially, in, as you said, the King of Clay in Paris. Like This is his home tournament. He's only ever lost three times there in the last 17 years. So I think uh, it's surprising he didn't get his way, Nadal, but it just shows the power of the media there that the, that, that match was put on in the evening. And that's about TV viewership. It's not like so, And that's what we're talking about here with the, the women's game is that they haven't had the opportunity to showcase. So there's a bit of chicken and egg here is that these these... Uh, women's players are not as well known as the men's because they're not on TV at the prime spot and so they're not on the TV in the prime spot because they're not as well known as the men's and the way around we <laughs> exactly, go exactly yeah, yeah so how do you improve it then you know if you don't give them the chance 
Yeah, well, I think uh, with the introduction of um, Amelie Mresmo as the tournament director in the French Open this year, that definitely was um, giving confidence to the women's game that they would be more likely to promote the women's game. Um, but I just think that the the fact that the men are, as I said, in the in the spotlight all the time, it's not giving those stars of the women's game a chance to get well known. And that feeds into the fact that people are saying, why is there no uh, big stars in the tennis game? Because we're not seeing them on the screen. That's That's the big issue there. And it's so surprising from someone who's been there and been in the spotlight, has won these major tournaments to speak like that. Like, I was quite shocked when I read her comments. Yeah, I mean, especially how she was very um, nonchalant about expressing that the men's game was more appealing you know um, the backlash of that then is of course the players saying that like how can we how can we get into the spotlight if you're not giving us the, the chance they just have to give them a, the chance and then like we of course will then begin to see them more get more known with the names more familiar with the games um, the game styles etc of those players but yeah that, that seems to be a big issue now that chicken and egg um, Is there going to be any fallout? Is it is is she going to change it's kind of too late now right because like today's semi-final day and there's not much opportunity for her to make amends for this no I think next year there's going to have to be a change but the the WTA have come out now the women's organisation to speak about their um, how unhappy they are about it as well so there will definitely be change going forward based on that okay talk to us about the two semi-finals today Coco Goff is kind of in the papers in this part of the world um, I guess because we've been following her for a number of years and it feels like she's uh beginning to deliver on the the promise that she's shown is that fair yeah I think yeah she's been in the spotlight since she shot to fame and when she was 15 there three years ago after she beat uh, Venus Williams in Wimbledon um, and then I think she struggled a little bit with, with that fame and her game has kind of always been there but I think she's suffered a little bit off court like and mentally with the pressures of, of being a star but she's shown in this um, Grand Slam and then the last few tournaments running up to this that she's in good form she's serving very well she's playing her game really well controlling the ball um, and I think that she's going to be a threat today versus Travis Talk to us about Travis Ann. Who is she? She's, well, a relatively unheard name. She's the 59th ranked um, player in the world. Uh, she's an Italian player. She's had a really interesting background as well. Um, in the last, this year, she's had 10 consecutive match wins, having coming in off a win, uh, her first title in Morocco last week. So she's on a streak at the moment. But prior to this, she's had spoken out in the media about uh, her battle with anorexia and how she had to take four years off to, off the professional tour to deal with that. So it's great to see a comeback of, of that sorts now. And um, two years ago, she got to the quarterfinal of the French Open as well. So she is comfortable in Roland Garros and on the clay. So it'll be an interesting matchup because two very different styles. Travis Allen will be more of a traditional clay court player where she's uh, more defensive defensive and plays with a lot of spin whereas Goff will be coming in and trying to be a little bit more aggressive and and dictate the way she plays What what is Goff's game then? On what surface would you expect her game to be the most fluent and successful? I would think that a hard court would suit her a bit better because it'll be a bit faster and she's able to play with a little bit more power so she can be a bit more dominant whereas on the clay you've got a little bit more time on the surface um, and not as many winners are hit so I think uh, a hard court or even a grass court would suit her style because she plays so fast Okay, so you expect Goff to win this? I would expect Goff to come through that that semi-final, yes. Okay, and okay, the other one is a tricky, tricky name to pronounce for us this morning as we were practicing in the ad break here. Cheviantek uh, versus Christina. <laughs> there you go, Give it a go. Um, what's going to happen in this one? I think all the talk is about Shviantek at the moment. She is the the star of the women's game. Um, she's on a 33-match winning streak, five tournaments in a row. She's the world number one. She's really on form. Um, she's coming up against Kazakh. 
Pina of uh, Russia, who is also on form, has shown pres- results in the French Open in previous years as well. She's also been in the top 10. But Sviantec is the dominant player of, of the women's game at the moment. To look out for in today's match, we would want to see um, Sviantec using her big forehand to dictate play, staying up close to the baseline, trying to control the rallies. Whereas you'll see Kazakhina hanging back a little bit, trying to defend because she plays a little bit more defensive game. But she's going to have to try to impose herself with, by playing a little bit flatter because Schwantek will just be dictating and overpowering from the baseline. And obviously, Schwantek has, has won this before and, and kind of knows what this is all about. She's only 21, so are we looking at the birth of like a dominant force over the next period of time? I think that she is one to look out for. Now we've mentioned the likes of like Osaka in previous years and, and even this year she's done well. But I think Schwantek is really the, the woman of the moment in the women's game. She has the game to be the best as, as she is the number one at the moment um, she also has incredible poise and mental strength which we see she travels with her um, psychologist full time and attests a lot of her success to having her psychologist alongside her um, which is obviously shown on court because she's so tough mentally she's also physically very strong she has all the shots in her repertoire I think that she is the woman to, to dominate the game um, Like the, it feels like there's a generation kind of even so, as I said she's just turned 21 is that right just yeah yeah, yeah. so okay so um with her and the that generation who are just behind her it looks like we're about to reach a stage where we're going to be seeing these week in week out in the uh late slot and the french open over the next coming yeah. few years like it's kind of weird that they didn't take the opportunity to establish them as stars this time isn't it yeah yeah it's it's a, it's a real shame it's very disappointing that we haven't got a chance to see these stars up in, in the lights you know and um, but i think in the, in the coming years shantik will be up there with the likes of osaka and like they could be a rivalry in years to come you know and there's a few other players maria sakari and sabalenka those hard hitters who also will be pushing and i think we're going to see those names in future names in, in the next few years um, with big big rivalries maybe not quite like the big four of the men's game where you had Nadal Murray Djokovic and Federer but I do think we were to look out for those names in the next Was Raducanu going to join them or was that like a flash in the pan? Yeah, that's a, she's an interesting one. She has an amazing game. Her, her like her game is suited to be the top of the of the women's game, but she's just I'm not sure she's quite caught up there, mature like maturity wise and um, mentally. As I said, that's a huge part of the game. So she's just shot to fame, and that's a huge thing, especially with the Brits. They're so. Um, you know, the, she's a star in, in the making, but they well, straight think, away, yeah, yeah, straight like, away, and and then as soon as you start to fail, it's like, oh, we knew all along, we were just building you up to put yes, you down. Yes, there is that narrative with the Brits, or, and especially in tennis, and it's with everything, but you can see it in the tennis. So I think they've jumped on the bandwagon of Emma Raducanu who's going to be the next big thing. But I think she might take a little bit. Uh, longer to get to that to stay at that top the consistency at the top of the game but she does have the game definitely to be in the top uh, Is it more difficult for the women who break through at an early stage in the women's game than it is for the men because you know you're talking about um, various players having to deal with either anorexia or the, the difficulty of being famous really quickly it seems like that happens less in the men's game and maybe it happened less in the men's game because the, the big four were there and so we saw fewer people break through and be put up on that pedestal so quickly I, I, I don't know yeah, I think that, as you said, that those four were so dominant for so long that there was n- nobody was breaking through there. But there were those on the periphery, like the likes of Zverev, who's now in the semi-final today. And um, he's a really big name player who's breaking through. Alcaraz, the young Spaniard, he's nineteen. That's really unheard of to have such a young player in the in the men's game 
at, at such a high level so quickly it does take a little bit longer because there's such a wide pool of men's men's players who are at the top even the top 100 are all contesting week in week out outside of those top four though and just went back to Casatina because I just thought it was so um, interesting to see players on clay and the differences between clay and then the, the grass court and she's a player that's always been particularly good on clay so you think that's maybe a bit of an advantage that she has that she can maybe try and yeah. have one over Shrontek or is she just way ahead? Yeah, well, I think, well, they actually both got, a, uh, sorry, Shrontek got asked that in an interview by, okay. uh, about, oh, this is Kazakina's favourite surface and Shrontek's responsible, so it's, Clay is my favourite surface too. So it'll be uh, that match-up, like they're both playing on their preferred surface. But the games, you say, is, are different on the different surfaces. So as we see, see on a clay court, the ball is bouncing much higher. Players are, are um, playing from much deeper in the court, so they're much further back, so they're playing with a lot of spin and uh, pushing each other back whereas if you compare that to say a grass court the ball bounces very low in a grass court you see a different kind of a game where the players are coming into the net more because the balls are landing maybe a little bit shorter so they're able to come in and follow those in the ball's bouncing far less on that and then on a hard court that's a little bit similar to clay but there's no sliding necessarily on a hard court versus a clay court um, whereas like on a clay the surface allows for you to slide through it and play shots whereas on a hard court th- this isn't the same you're stuck to the ground more so it does play a high bounce but not as compared to clay um, but you will see some players sliding on a hard court that's like a jock which likes that incredible athleticism he has to be able to do that but I wouldn't try that at home Is it more difficult on the clay? The, the game mm-hmm. um, it's more physical definitely more physical the matches go on longer the rallies last a lot longer than they do on the likes of a, clay, a, a grass court um, more difficult I think it it's, can be more forgiving in ways because uh, more players get a chance on a clay court because the likes of players who are playing defensive game style it suits a, gla- a clay court because they can just run around all day defending defending whereas you don't get away with that on a faster surface so it allows for a little bit more players to come shine through in these like the likes of Kazakina. Did you get an opportunity to play on clay courts much? I'm guessing there's not too many of them in Ireland. <laughs> no, there's only maybe there's one when I was growing up there was only one clay court that was down in Tipperary. Now a few more courts have this artificial clay because we realise it's a really beneficial surface to learn on because it's really good for your fitness. It, the rallies are lasting longer. You're learning to play a different game style. But when I was competing a lot of the surfaces I chose to play on were on hard court because it suited my game more so. Uh, I liked, I had a big serve and a big forehand so I liked to play aggressively so the hard court suited that. Whereas the clay I wasn't as comfortable, you know, rallying, out rallying, rallying all uh, like 20 shots. So I was much more comfortable trying to be more aggressive. So I played more on clay, on a hard court, sorry. Uh, the, the point about um, Djokovic sliding on the hard courts, does he have to have special runners for that? Like. <laughs> There are different sur- there are different shoes for yeah. different surfaces. No, but the 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 shoes that run the risk of like wrecking your knee. ankle. Yeah. Or, yeah, they do, but they have that. Just that they're incredibly supple and they're able. Their bodies are able for that. You don't see every player doing that. Um, and even with Nadal, with his foot problem. So I, when I was watching yesterday, I was thinking, wow, you know, they're really planting their foot to try and probably keep themselves composed and reach the shot. And I was thinking, God, and he has this chronic problem as well so you would think that the clay wouldn't be as good for that sort of thing but he seems to be better on the the clay definitely injury wise I'm not sure that that's so good for him but the the clay just suits his game so well because he plays with such heavy spin that he is so dominant with his game style on a clay court whereas his body is not holding up I don't know if you heard him saying the other day that he's not sure how much longer he can go on with this chronic injury he has yeah it seems like this is a, a possibility that he like walks away at the end of this tournament that suddenly I felt a little bit like as opposed to 
oh this is going to be my last French I'll continue on like there was a, a bang of I might just ride out now you know if, I, if he wins this like why would he show up when he's probably not going to win Wimbledon he's got a good chance in America but at the US I don't know is there yeah. any possibility is that, did that there was your... a hint of that definitely in his post-match uh, interview after he played Djokovic there he was saying that he's now travelling with his doctor because they're doing some sort of treatment which he said he wouldn't say what it was until after the tournament but he has been alluding to the fact that this could be his last French Open but I think that that's playing into his performance almost in this French Open because he is so he, he knows this could be his last chance so he, he is so Determined to win that 22nd Grand Slam on his 14th Roland Garros. So I think that he's putting going through any kinds of pains barrier now just to, to see it over the line. Notwithstanding that, it was then a bit weird to see him at the Champions League final where it's like, you should literally have your feet up <laughs> watching it at home. Yeah, yeah. Like, Real Madrid are his team, you know, I and know, in like, Paris. And I mean, I'm, I'm sure he, unless he had a police escort, the traffic is crap, you know? Like, yeah. so that's, that's, and if it had gone to extra time and penalties, that's like, Four hours off your feet. I don't know. I just, I wasn't terribly surprised to see his next match go to five sets the next day. Um, so, just to go back to Naomi Osaka, who you mentioned there, right? Uh, like, how long do you think she's going to play, and what what is her future? Well, that's hard to tell. I suppose she's taken the last year, you know, kind of handy in terms of competition. Why she's getting back into it now this year? And um, she cited, as we know, last year about mental health issues, and she's come out and said that she was actually depressed this time last year. And um, I think she's gone over the last year, gone through a, obviously a very tough time. She shot to fame very, fame very quickly, won back to back Grand Slams, was at the top of the game, and then all of a sudden, as we know, you know was struggling with that I think there is definitely a future for Osaka she's an incredible um, athlete really really strong tennis player has all the shots in her repertoire um, it's just about whether she can keep the on off court on court balance going because I think she's really now focusing trying to live in more of the moment she's saying that she's trying to focus on living her life off the court and then enjoying tennis while she's on court yeah and, and obviously you wish her the very best at that it would be great to see her at Wimbledon and it would have been great for the comments around Wimbledon to be like oh look we really understand what's yeah. going on there's a war on you know and so therefore uh, our ranking points aren't probably the most important thing in the world at the moment yeah that's um, an interesting one isn't it the, and how they've banned the players you could see them playing some of the, the Russian players playing under the neutral flag here in the French Open that Wimbledon are not allowing so do you think it will have an impact on players showing up really or is, are they going to go like I mean, the money and the fame and the... Maybe just because we grew up at Wimbledon on TV all the time, like, it's still really important, irrespective of whether or not there's ranking points, right? Yeah, well, Wimbledon is Wimbledon. Everybody wants to be in Wimbledon and everyone wants to win Wimbledon. I do think that that's going to take the edge off it, though, not having the ranking points on offer. But I don't think anyone's going to drop out because of that. They're still going to have the prestige of Wimbledon and taking that title home at the end. Yeah, like, it's not the Olympics, you know? Yeah, yeah, true. I mean, uh, can you name any of the Olympic tennis champions over the last 24 years? Why did you do that to me? <laughs> Have a guess. Jenny. I, like, <laughs> I, I mean, I, sorry I won this one, but I only know that because I read it yesterday on Wikipedia. Not my <laughs> yeah, well, as in the prestige around yeah, the Olympics. Exactly. Yeah, people yeah. aren't as... Because there's no ranking points yeah. and there never was. Mm. People are like, well, this doesn't really matter. But it's Wimbledon. It's Wimbledon. If it maybe was another, if it was the French Open or it might have been another Grand Slam maybe you might have a bit of a drop-off. But it is Wimbledon. But it is really disappointing that that has happened because it does take that, like, the prestige out of it. But at the same time, I think everyone will still want that Wimbledon trophy at the end of it. Um, is there any prospect of Serena Williams playing this year in Wimbledon and or 
in the US Open? She's been very quiet the last while, yeah, with with her game uh, and off court. Nobody really knows what's going on as such. Um, but I, I'd love to see her coming back in Wimbledon. Grass would really suit her, you know, with her big game. I'm not sure she's 40 now. I'm not sure that her focus is on going on, you know, on regaining her yeah. form. It's funny that there hasn't been a formal announcement. Yeah, kind of hanging. It always out. leaves it open. Whereas like Federer, if you look at Federer, he's he's been clinging on now for the last while with a, a knee injury. But I, I also might there be doubts around his comeback to the game. Kind of Williams and Federer seem to be in the same. I put them in the same box now. They're almost at the end, but not quite ready to retire just yet. Um, so you were talking about uh, grass and hardcourt. Does that mean that you're like, if you were to power rank your um, your favourite? <laughs> Uh, majors it goes Wimbledon first yes definitely Wimbledon Wimbledon is everyone's favourite I think everyone knows who, everyone knows Wimbledon if you, if you ask anyone on the street they know what Wimbledon is but they probably don't know what the Australian Open is or yeah. the US Open yeah so the Australian Open not not really a, a major That's we've had this debate before on the show like it's a, <laughs> got grandfathered in really uh, so it's the US Open then second I go that to the French I'd say US yeah then Australia and then the French just because clay clay's my least favourite surface so I uh, find the viewership is better for women than the US and um, so you're involved in, in tennis coaching is this the time of the year where all of a sudden like your phone is ringing off the hook and everybody wants back in <laughs> yeah the, those two weeks of Wimbledon you have everybody ringing you looking to play tennis everybody seems to get expire, uh, inspired at this time of year I, I was looking at Schwantek's, um biography and her dad was a rower in the Olympics in Seoul in 88 uh, Ireland is a country that produces many rowers and so if uh, the father of a great tennis player can be a rower why can't we have any more great tennis players Absolutely. what's yeah yeah they were both of her parents actually were athletes John Tech. why we don't have at- tennis players in Ireland is yeah quite a, up for debate for many years now and um, there's a lack of I think um, a deep pool of players here so we seem to have a lot of competition with other sports the likes of GAA and soccer and those more voluntary sports whereas tennis is, is more of seen a, a luxury sport because it's obviously you pay your way for it and it's quite expensive sport but we lack as well the um, facilities here in Ireland like we only we don't have that many indoor facilities and obviously we're a nation of rain so that's a problem like during the year and the surface then is really important that we that you train on you see a lot of those players professional players now they are growing up on clay which I was mentioning is a really good surface fundamentally to learn the game we don't have that here that's so why there's so many Spaniards who are in the like, top 50 exactly yeah that's it that, that, that's their they there's only clay in, in Spain pretty yeah. much whereas yeah the facilities here the indoor facilities was a big issue and only in recent years now we've started putting these bubbles up around around the courts but that's pretty much only in Leinster so the likes of Munster have no indoor facilities whatsoever so how can they produce players you know when we're being called off a few times a week with with the weather yeah. that we have here um, as I said but the, the pool like when I was at the, the top of the game when I was playing professionally here the problem I was having was there wasn't anybody to train with who was putting me under pressure? So that's why the, a lot of the players who are kind of sixteen here, if they if there's any kind of potential for them, they'll go abroad to Spanish academies, uh, tennis academies, or over to France for academies because that's where you're going to have that big pool of players and lots of different styles to be playing against. Is that too late sometimes as well? Like, I mean, not not to write off any sixteen year old who's like, what, is, what? But yeah. like, um, so if you're in Spain at twelve, you're playing against players who are world class because, um, so I, I, is that? Do, do you need to even go a little bit earlier? Yeah, I, I mean, yes, but at that age, 12, that's a huge sacrifice then for the family. And then do the family go with you? Does the family stay? You know, and 12 is very young to send a child away. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. At 16, you'd want to be making inroads in the, the junior international tour. Like, you'd want to be near the top, you know, the top 
250 at least at that stage if you're going to have a progression a positive progression into the senior tour um, but we're not going to get that at 16 you said like you're so de- you're developed your game is developed a lot by 16 so yeah. it would be better and more beneficial to go at, a, at an earlier age but it's hard to talent spot so young here especially when they're playing so many sports you know as, and tennis is not the first choice for most people even if they are incredibly talented Do you see it's more male or female that are playing from a young age here there's a there's more men definitely more men playing and more men have had more success on the tour here um, but there are a lot of at, at grassroots level there's kind of a, a good mix like I see it in, in where I'm coaching there's a huge amount of girls but there's a drop off then we kind of get to about 12 and then they're not playing and, and they either go into you know the team sports because girls want to be amongst the, their other pals whereas the guys are a little bit more competitive and they stick with it a little bit longer here are you confident about the future of Irish tennis or is it something that we like need a bit of a rethink on? There definitely needs to be a little bit of a restructure and there is a restructuring going on at the moment um, with Tennis Ireland. But yeah, there needs to be a, a change definitely going on there, like bringing on more coaches um, letting the, the provinces like the Leinster, Munster, Ulster do their thing as well with their players and not taking the players up to Dublin and having them only training in Dublin. They need to be with their back at home. They need to be amongst other players from their provinces and with the coaches, putting a little bit more trust in the coaches around the That would drive local standards, which in turn will drive the national standards. Yes, Exactly, yeah, yeah. So not taking them when they're only 10. All right. Always oh, really interesting stuff. Jenny, thanks a million for joining us today. Thanks so much for having yeah. me. OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.